Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Hey, Jim. Hey, Catherine. New York has just been declared a major disaster, and the cases are rising pretty rapidly. Really rapidly. Just during the course of this month, we've gone from 1 to 8,377. And that's just, conf- that's just confirmed cases in the state. That's New York State. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the data we have. As we talked about yesterday, we don't necessarily have complete data. But we're in that exponential growth phase where it is just skyrocketing. and uh, Right. So we're really rapidly getting into a really um, scary situation. And- that's just the fact. That's just the fact. Yeah. It's eerie, actually, to look out your window because it's quiet, because people are either home and either just bored or are sick at home or have gone to a hospital now and are pouring into emergency rooms and, and, and clinics trying to get help. Right. So the city is a very strange place to be right now. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah. and that, the main worry right now is that hospitals are going to be overwhelmed quite quickly. Uh, so today we are calling a doctor. Uh, who's working in a hospital to try to figure out how healthcare professionals are feeling and uh, what they're seeing happening right now and how that lines up with, you know, what we're hearing being reported. Yeah. Okay. So that's our plan today. We're calling Angelica today, who's a doctor working in a hospital in New York City. Hello. Hi. Thank you for talking to us. How how are you? I'm okay. I'm... uh kind of staying really busy uh, right now, but um, happy yeah. to join you guys. Can you tell us how you would like us to, mm-hmm. or you can introduce yourself with whatever level of detail you feel comfortable with. Sure. Um, so my name's Angelica. I'm a third year resident in an internal medicine program in a large hospital in New York City. Uh, there's so many sirens siren. all over. Uh, last night, it was there everywhere. Um, and while that's happening, I should clarify because I get this a lot. People don't, uh, resident means you are a doctor. You have graduated oh, medical yes. school and you are training in internal medicine, which is the art and science of <laughs> taking care of people who are inpatient at the hospital. Yes. Yes. So tell us what you're, mm. what you're experiencing. What, what, what was the lead up and where are we now? Right. So, um, things are really heating up. I'd say at our hospital, um, as of today, we have 81 people admitted in our hospital with COVID-19. That's just people admitted, meaning hospitalized my hospital is like part of a big system. So at our entire system, as of today, we had the number I got this morning was 424 people admitted. Um, And about 20% of the people are admitted in the ICU right now. So at our uh, facility, we have 18 of our 81 admitted patients in the ICU. And of those 18, 17 of those are on ventilators, meaning hooked up to breathing machines, and three of those patients are requiring ECMO, which is a um, means of oxygenating someone's blood in a 
very high tech way. Right. Do you remember when you got your first case? Yeah. So it was actually Super Tuesday. <laughs> um, we had the first patient in New York City. Um, so, so about two that, weeks ago? Two weeks ago. So that was on the third. I'm just, I've been keeping a little calendar myself. And then so we had about three or four last Saturday. And then by Tuesday of this week, we had 16 hospitalized patients with COVID-19. And then by Wednesday, we had 33. By Thursday, we had 37. Yesterday, we had 59. And then today, we have 81. So just to show you what's happening on a 24-hour, within 24 hours, it's it's just really rapidly evolving. And where are you in in terms of PPE supplies? Things are really dire. Um, We... um, Maybe I should explain just, sorry, to set it, the, the scene. If you're a doctor or healthcare worker, a nurse, someone who's taking blood, someone who's going into a room at all, with someone who has an infectious disease like this, you are supposed to wear a an N95 mask and a, a gown. And does this include eye mm-hmm. covering as well? Yes. And so all of this it with and gloves with every single contact and then they have to be disposed of upon leaving the room. So if you have to go in and forgot to ask one question, need to go back in, you have to put on a whole new setup every time you go in. So right. the, we, you burn through a lot with everyone who's even, who, who, who's under that level of precaution. So sorry, uh, please continue. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly correct. And I think it's important for the, the public to know that, you know, we use, this equipment for other patients. This is this is not a new thing. You know, we take care of many patients every day who require personal protective equipment. So it, this is in addition to our regular burden. And yes, right now um, our hospital is having a very critical shortage of masks, specifically uh, things that can cover our eyes. So you know, the the virus mostly transmits through. Uh, particles, you know, it's it they land on things, whether it's like and they can go into your eyes and go into your mouth. And so covering our eyes is really important. And we are lacking face shields. We are lacking uh, masks, both just the regular surgical masks as well as N95s, which we are currently only using for uh, procedures where there's highly aerosolized particles. Wow. So that just to kind of given up, you know, an idea of what that looks like. So originally they were saying N95s for every single patient with coronavirus. And because because of data coming out and also just because of the shortage, we're now only using them when patients are requiring um, intubation, you know, with a breathing machine, putting a tube down their throat, or when they're right. on specific kind of oxygen deliveries that create uh, aerosolized particles. So there are just for for whoever's listening into the call, there are two essentially two kinds of masks, and what you see mostly around town and on subways are surgical masks, the kind you can just buy at any drugstore, and those have a li- they're a little bit effective at blocking some particles, but they don't they don't fully keep the virus out. But then there are N95s, which are actually um, the ones that block uh, are meant to be that you can get up really close into the near the face of someone who's actively coughing and sneezing as a physician, and it should protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it's you started off with the directive that you would wear N95 masks, the really protective ones, every time you went to see a patient mm-hmm. with the virus, but now it is such that you'll put on 
a lesser mask unless you're getting really close to that patient's mm-hmm. You're doing a procedure in which they would, you would be expected for the, you know, like putting a tube down their throat where you're just inches away from mm-hmm. their nasopharynx. Mm-hmm. Um, so already you're doing some kind of, some sort of rationing based on supplies. Right. And there's a lot of um, reuse right now, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're not supposed to be reusing when you're seeing a patient who has known coronavirus. Um, but with kind of everyone else, we are reusing masks, which is not hygienic and it's not um, safe for us. Because if you think about it, you know, right now, so our emergency room doctors, for example, are wearing goggles and a face mask kind of at all times. But if you touch that face mask once, or you touch your goggles once and you touch a computer, unless you're, you know, getting a new mask or you're cleaning your goggles religiously around the clock, you are kind of defeating the entire purpose of, containing this things are not good right now in the hospital i'll just say it seems hard to make a system for this right right so our what is the mood of the healthcare worker your Mm co-residents and nurses and everyone else are people getting worried for their own Mm -hmm. health yeah um i would say things are pretty tense right now in the hospital um there's i mean I think in general, most Americans, most New Yorkers are pretty anxious right now. Um, and I'd say healthcare workers have that baseline anxiety plus, you know, the addition of their own safety and also just the regular work anxiety that we already have. You know, we work 27-hour shifts. We work 14 to 18-hour shifts. We're, we're already kind of stressed as it is. So yes, things are pretty tense right now. I'd say that there's a lot of concern about what's coming. I think that right now things are manageable. We're not, our job is, um, yeah, maybe a little bit more tense than usual, but it's still manageable. But I think that we all are seeing that it's going to become unmanageable very soon. It's, it kind of feels like we're all just watching our car crash happen really slowly and you're trying, you just like can't stop, stop it. Right. What is going to run out first? Is it the ventilators or the masks? Or I understand if the if the ma- if people don't feel protected, you start running low on masks or rationing them in ways that the staff feel uncomfortable. Or if the staff gets sick, mm-hmm. you could simply run out of people to mm-hmm. operate ventilators. Yeah. Versus um, actually running out of ventilators. Yeah. I I, I, I <laughs> don't mean to propose these terrible scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, in trying to plan out what what can possibly be done to prevent this situation. Right. Um. So I mean, I think that the masks and the other uh, PPE are are running out right now. Um. I think that that's yeah. like the most urgent issue. Um. And we are working on getting more. I mean, I've kind of taken it upon myself, at least in my program, to be kind of this mass collector. <laughs> I'm literally like today I uh, drove around New York City and picked up random donations from different people, which is how I'm spending my days off. Um, so, where are you getting donations? Like, who has masks? So, starting um, a couple of days ago, I have just started calling and emailing um, random businesses that I can think of. So I've gotten some donations from um, veterinary clinics. Um, I'm reaching out to different departments, like research labs. Um, 
I'm on my list is dental clinics. Uh, I actually just got some donations from an art department from like their ceramics department. Um, so, and then I also recently posted things, um, on social media and I've gotten a lot of responses of people who just like have two extra boxes at home and they want to send them or drop them off. And so, right. Where would you like, I mean, if people have supplies that they want to donate, do you have any suggestion on how they could figure out where to donate? Yeah, there's actually a really wonderful Google Doc that's going around. It's like a big long address, so I don't know how to <laughs> say it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, but, why don't we? We can maybe put it in the <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. The state health, the the health department of the city and and state too has yeah. made calls for yeah. similar things. The one thing I will say is I have talked to some people who were planning on just like dropping them off at the emergency room, and I will say that is a bad idea. Do not just like show up into an emergency room, even if you have donations, just because the emergency rooms right now are a, um, a hotbed with coronavirus. So um, I, we appreciate your donations, but um, please try to reach out to somebody who can actually help you and get them safely. Have there been discussions about how decisions will be made of who is getting ICU beds, who's getting admitted? As far as I know so far, you know, we're not at a point where we're not able to provide our regular care. Like if someone is requiring ICU level care, they are getting that at this moment. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not at that point. It's what you heard from like Italy, for example. You know, the stories coming out of Italy are really terrifying to me, especially, you know, as a provider, it's, 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 you know, we're used to seeing these things. We're used to seeing people dying. You know, we're used to, you know, breaking bad news to families. None of this is that new, but the the part that is new is the idea of not being able to provide the appropriate care to people who need it or like having to choose between patients. That's a very um, scary uh, prospect for me, at least. Um, you, you won't have the capacity for that sort of call and shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to ha- be, have that weighing on you as well mm-hmm. right now. I, so, you know, you're a resident and so you're in training and you're putting yourself at risk by mm-hmm. going to work right now. Mm-hmm. Is there a point at which y- you wouldn't go? Um, I think for me, I think no, unless, unless I'm actually sick. Um, so, I mean, I feel grateful. I mean, I'm young and I'm not immunocompromised. So, you know, although we're, right now we're seeing 20 year olds in the ICU right now with coronavirus who are otherwise healthy. So there is a risk. It's not, I think that initially it was really being sold, sold to us as this is really just something that's going to affect older people or immunocompromised people you know, we're seeing 20 and 30 year olds in the ICU. So it's, I'm really aware of my, that there is a risk, but for me, um, I will probably be working unless I'm actively ill, um, in which case I will stay home, both for my own safety as well as the safety of others. I do think that it is something though to think about um, for other providers. Um, yeah. I mean, I... Both my parents work in hospitals, for example. My parents are in their 60s and 70s. And honestly, right now, I'm trying to beg my mom to quit her job. Because to me, um, my mom has baseline respiratory illness. And 
I know that she wants to help out right now, but for me, I selfishly really want her to worry about her own health and have younger, more able-bodied uh, nurses, you know, you know, take control at this point. And, you know, maybe if one day they really need, need her, I, she could try to consider helping, but I, I'm begging her to quit her job. How is she responding? She's thinking about it, I think, but I think it's really hard because I think this is really hard for people who've been trained to help others and really want to rise to the occasion and, you know, do their part. But it, I think it is hard when you're trying to balance that with your own safety, your own health. Yeah. Right. Can I, uh, just to, for listeners to, to underscore the, um, decisions, the, the, the bravery and what you're, you're saying and doing, it's just some people, some people will assume, oh, well, this is your job, so you have to go. And, but, but, you know, at levels of training as for medical students, for many other s- staff, this was not, this is, you aren't, aren't, aren't yet to the point where it is your job uh, to run the ICU until you uh, can no longer, there's some intermediary steps where people are in training and, and, and will be asked to step up and do things that, that weren't initially part of what was Right. Uh, what was understood? I think what Jim's is, trying to say is thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's all I mean. That's all I mean to say. Well, thank you. Course. Thank you for you're, doing it. You're welcome. I mean, it's thank you to everyone. I mean, I I'm amazed with my colleagues and both like the physicians, but also the nurses, the the techs, the the janitors. The there are so many people that are involved. You know, to help make a hospital run right now. I mean the lab techs, everyone, it's really incredible. And it's also, I mean, it's someone right now who's soliciting donations for like the PPE, for example. It's really, I will say, amazing to see how many people are been emailing me and reaching out and wanting to do something from their home, you know, while they're like waiting this thing out. It's really, um, thank you to everyone. Thank you for talking to us. We'll try to get the word out that people should not drop off supplies at the at the er <laughs> thanks thank you for hanging in there yeah okay you. okay thanks bye take care bye uh that was upsetting yeah obviously what do we do about this i mean is there anything for us to do no i mean what we can do i think is to be super supportive and i think i've said this before just if you have any healthcare workers in your life um know that they're going through this that i mean anyone who works in a hospital or clinic um know that they're going to be having a lot weighing on them and may need help taking care of kids or going out and getting food or uh, whatever you can do they are it's just like supporting soldiers in time of war okay so that's it for today yeah Okay. They should have the masks. I should say this. Like they should have had the masks. We should have. Why don't they? Because we declined to invest. We have a national strategic stockpile, and it is too small. And now I also wrote a story in January that was titled "We Don't Have Enough Masks." And last week, the administration said they were mobilizing masks, and and Pence today said it would be a couple weeks. Is it upsetting to you? I mean, you sound upset 
it's got to be frustrating to have been trying to get people to pay attention to this for two months now and seeing the result of people acting like you were being alarmed. Huh. It's got to be frustrating. Be- because that is such the hearing. breaking point. Like these masks are, they would store easily. They, they don't, you know, the, the, it's not like building an extra hundred thousand ventilators. It's, it's something we could have had and they will make all the difference. There are doctors out there putting like plastic bags over their faces right now. I've, I've seen in, in rare cases, you know, and that's what's going to draw the line between no one will come near you when you're needing help because they, it's just simply not smart. I'm, it's not about that doctor being afraid or something. It's like, no, if I go near you and do an intubation, I'm almost certainly going to get sick and then I can help no one else. It's a calculation of, mm-hmm. you know, there's 10 buildings on fire and there's the, the firefighter who runs right into the most dangerous part of the worst fire mm-hmm. might just mean that all 10 of them burn down instead of just trying to save the five that you can. Uh, we, we, could, we could have been prepared for and alarms were raised recently. So even if we... Well, like, what? Why didn't we move? Why, who, you're saying we. What happened? It goes back to everything we were talking about yesterday, you know, with the testing and the administration saying we it's not an issue. We have like five cases. We're going to get it down to one case. You know, it, the risk to Americans is very, very low. You know, um, they kept saying that. And it was clearly spreading everywhere in the world and we weren't testing for it. That was the point when we need to be like, we have mobilized all of our mask manufacturers and put in the, go into a crisis mode. And we could be where three weeks ahead of where we are right now. And that is what will mean that some people just can't, can't be treated because we don't have the proper protective equipment. And the doctors have to make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jim. It's not about me. It's about them. I know it's, it's not. Just, I'm sorry when that you this see is a, happening. When you see something that could have happened, you know, um, I understand we, yeah. if I was like, we, what the answer is to build more hospitals, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be so yeah, frustrating because you're like, I, that would have, t- we, should, we would have had to start that five years ago. There's nothing really we could have done here. There are certain things that are like that, but this, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.